podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show on ESPN in association with Betfred. Good to have you with us going week 11 of the NFL coming interview to terrific guests. Coming your way, the comedian and Detroit Lions superfan, Marek Lowen, back on the show. I know he's a fan favorite. Looking forward to catching up with him. We're going to rapid fire all the games and picks that we haven't done with our first guest, Kimberly Martin, who we're getting to in just a minute. ESPN's Kimberly Martin. We're going to preview some of the biggies with her. Rams, Bucks, Titans, Ravens, Chiefs, Raiders. That game indeed goes ahead. It looks like it will right now, but of course the Raiders been hit quite heavily with uh, COVID. Get into those games and more with Kimberly, making her show debut very, very soon. Looking forward to that big time. Just enough time for me to tell you about a brand new show. We are dropping a brand new episode of the show, to be precise. The Nat Coombe Show Edge Rush, dropping every Saturday throughout the rest of the season. Edge Rush will be me, Ollie Thornton, giving you guys our, our favorite gambling angles for the weekend's action. Giving you the edge on the action on the action. If you catch my drift, you know where I'm going with that. Edge Rush every Saturday, dropping into your podcatcher of choice. Right, let's get straight down to business a lot to get into. Let's get into it with the brilliant Kimberly Martin. Kimberly, great to have you on the show. Good to see you. Good to see you too. What I love about having new guests on the show is in particular the backdrop, right? So uh, and looking, I'm, I'm spying, I'm trying to see some, you got a lot of books behind you, which is a good, it's a good I sign. It's a good I start. do. I do. And here mm. we have Stephen King. Ooh, the okay. funny thing is all my Twitter followers are like, oh my gosh, she's so cool. She loves Stephen King. <laughs> I don't have the heart to break it to them that this is my husband's show. <laughs> So he's the Stephen King. <laughs> sure, um, and then everything else is <laughs> all the other stuff. Else is the sports stuff is yours. So that's an exclusive straight off the bat at the top of the show. I love that. Uh, that it is yes. uh, your other half that is the, the Stephen King fan. Well, it's great to great to have you on. We're gonna break down two or three of the big games this weekend. Get your get your take on those and things we need to be looking out for. Some other news I want to start off with, though. In particular, we're gonna chat later on with Marek Larwood about the New Orleans Saints because Marek's joining us later and he's going to rattle through picks if we ever get to the picks, because when Marek's on, we often spend about 20 minutes talking about complete nonsense and then maybe we'll get to the picks. <laughs> but the Drew Brees story, of course, is, is one of the big headlines this week because he looks so so unsettled on the sidelines after halftime last week. And it was incredible, wasn't it? Speaking of Twitter, how everybody was <laughs> overreacting and jumping to conclusions and my God, they fed Brees. And it turns out, well, no, he's fractured three No, ribs. he just couldn't breathe. Yes. <laughs> <He> couldn't <laughs> breathe. <laughs> yeah. That's probably a good reason to not go back in the game when you can't breathe. Hey, I have, um, fortunately, I've never had a collapsed lung, which is what Brees has got. But I have bruised my ribs playing, uh, playing foot, playing soccer. And it is, amongst the most painful injury i've broken a collarbone i've broken a leg i've broken an arm bruised ribs is, is one of the hardest things to deal with right i mean so no surprise he's at how long do you think he's gonna be out for <sighs> that's a good question you know i'm no medical expert but i've heard you know people have reported you know two weeks minimum mm. three weeks i mean it unfortunately it's long enough where it's concerning if you're a Saints fan, because when you look at the division, they've got, you know, they're obviously the team, depending on who you ask, they're mm -hmm. the team to beat in my mind, despite what the Bucks sure. have done. Um, so anytime you don't have your future Hall of Fame QB on the field, that's a problem, whether it's one game. So when you talk about multiple games, mm -hmm. it's an issue. And then when you look at the backup options behind him, that's when if you're a Saints fan, you think you're a little on edge. Uh, there's an interesting theory about Jameis being... Give it to me. Give it to me. Okay. What is it? So he signed a one-year deal, which I loved. I love the fact he signed a one-year deal for not much, relatively speaking, not much money. For, right. You know, for us mere mortals, a lot of money. For quarterback, <laughs> land, not much money. And no. because he, he, this is Breeze's last year, I think everybody pretty much accepts that, right? So he saw a great organization, a great situation, a great succession plan, right? And I, I love that about him. But it, there has to be more than that. And you look at the offense that he was expected to play within with Arians. It is a, obviously a very different style of offense to the one that Sean Payton uh, and, and Breeze have concocted together. So 
coming into this situation where, yeah, he does add the deep ball that Brees can't, so that gives them an extra dimension, but he doesn't have to overplay the deep ball as he did under areas. So it might actually, hey, well, guess what I'm trying to say to cut to the chase is James Winston might not turn over the ball every third down. 30 times? <laughs> he might yeah. have a 30 to 30? Um, yeah, no, I think, you know, Bruce Arians' offense is he likes to throw it downfield very often. And his thing is no risk it, no biscuit, which is great when you have a quarterback like Tom Brady and not to say anything, you know, bad about Jameis. I just think if you're, uh, I think in that offense, you're probably more prone to turning the ball over because you will try to throw it in tight windows. Arians is not afraid to go deep and to push the ball downfield. Where I think with the Saints, if you look at Breeze's numbers before he got to New Orleans versus now, I mean, you know, this guy's put together not only a Super Bowl, but just a lot of big historic, like career, like NFL record numbers, right? And that's a byproduct of this system. It's a byproduct of that relationship with Sean Payton. I think this is a good spot for Jameis, who, like you mentioned, one-year deal. Okay, this is his chance however long it might be, whatever this window is, to at least show that he's not the same guy that he was in Tampa Bay. And in defense of Jameis, he did have, you know, he's 26 years old, I believe. He did have about like four different head coaches or coordinators in that time. So I think that does stunt uh, a QB's growth in particular. Mm. So in New Orleans, I think it is a system where he won't be asked to, to force the ball into tight windows. It's just when he came in for Breeze, what was he like six of 10, you know, like they mm. weren't asking him to do a whole lot. And I think with mm. the offensive pieces with Alvin Kamara, Michael, Tom, I don't think Taysom Hill, you bring him in. Um, you know, I don't think Jameis will be asked to shoulder the load in such a way. And I think that'll build his confidence. And hopefully, like you said, with this one year deal, pull a, pull a Bridgewater, Yeah, you know, right. like play decent enough, play well enough where you have command of the offense and you can show other teams like this isn't my last stop. Like, Maybe I will have a chance to be a starter for another organization. I uh, all really sound, and I love in particular the the phrase "pull a Bridgewater." That is now we're committing that absolutely down into NFL <laughs> lexicon. That basically, if you get a backup gig, you take a backup gig, knowing there's a good chance you might get a, a couple of games to start to parlay yourself into a starting gig somewhere else. That's pulling a Bridgewater. I love that. That's <laughs> uh, speaking of which, Andy Dalton should be back for the the Cowboys this Sunday. Which, <sighs> Gives yeah. them some kind of vague hope, but they're not going to make the playoffs, so they're too far gone, right? But there's a lot of talent on this roster, particularly offensively. And you know, assuming Dak comes back uh, and is and is the Dak we saw before he got injured, look at all the other pieces around him. They got a draft coming up. They can invest heavily defensively through the draft, through free agency, to get a bit more of a balanced roster. This is a team that could conceivably be a playoff contender next year, despite how bad they are this year. So my question is how bad does it need to get for Mike McCarthy to be on the hot seat? So at at the moment, if they lose, say they end up like, I don't know, three and 13, which is possible, right? Does, does McCarthy go, does he keep his job? Whatever happens now? That is a great question. And one that we have talked a lot about (laughs) uh, here in the States Um, because you bring in Mike McCarthy theoretically because Super Bowl champion, you know, had a future Hall of Fame QB um, on his roster, veteran coach, proven winner. And then he gets to Dallas and it has been absolutely horrific with the the defense, the the disappointment. And what irks me about the Cowboys is because every offseason, I believe in that team. Every offseason, I'm like, oh, Cowboys, they got to win the division. And then they stumble to an eight and eight or a seven and nine, or they yep. lose a division to the Eagles, like right up. And you're just like, what are we doing here? So McCarthy era starts and it is bad. And I think if anything, this has shown us how valuable Dak was to this offense because right. all the pieces are still there. And Dak was putting up like, like ridiculous numbers to start the season before he got hurt. And you think, okay, well, this is why they have Andy Dalton. He's going to slide right in. They're just going to pick up. And it has not been that. So mm. I think if you're Dak, as much as being injured, you know, is the worst thing ever. I think people in Dallas, hopefully, and hopefully the, the front office has a newfound respect for what he was masking. Cause there were a lot of issues on both sides of the ball. Right. And so, 
you know, to get to your, your question, you know, I don't think you can fire Mike McCarthy after one season. If it's like three and 13, I don't think you can, especially the front office, Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones have come out and, you know, said like, we believe in, you know, McCarthy, like this is the guy. But I think in your, after year two, if mm. they don't show, and it's not just significant improvement. It's like, they have to be in the playoffs. Yeah. Like that, like that's it. I think he could be, you know, two and done. I don't mm. think one and done, um, unless it gets really, 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 really ugly. Really, really ugly. As TMR would say, I'm a company man, of course. So uh, we got to start with Monday Night Football. Rams-Bucks is a hell of a game. It's a hell of a game. And the Rams coming off a, a really impressive win against Seattle. The Bucks. Similarly, a bounce back win where Tom Brady's had that look in his eyes, didn't he? After, after they were embarrassed in primetime, he was in the zone against the Panthers. I want to start in the trenches, Kimberly, here, because I was thinking this is maybe edging slightly towards Tampa Bay because Andrew Whitworth's out. And, and, and every quarterback is a completely different player under pressure. But Goff is right at the, right at the acute end of that, right? Jared Goff is a totally different player when he's under pressure as opposed to when he's not. And that is a big piece of his protection gone. But then you look at the Bucks line against the Saints, and that mm-hmm. was all over the shop. Now they changed that up, didn't they, against the Panthers? And it looked more promising, but they're going up against Aaron Donald and Brockers and uh, bringing the front seven that brings the pain. So who has got the edge on the line in the trenches, do you think? I'll pick any side that has Aaron Donald. I think, you know, you mentioned Jared Goff and when he's under pressure. As somebody who covered the New York Jets for a long time, I watched Tom Brady. I watched, you know, Jets games against Tom Brady. And he's always that quarterback. No quarterback likes to get hit. Mm -hmm. But you can see when the defense is getting to him, when he's getting pressured. You can see the frustration building. I think we saw that a few weeks ago when Brady chewed out, you know, screaming at his offensive linemen, like, on the sidelines. I think Brady is that type where, as a defense, you can tell, like, okay, he's, get, he's getting frustrated and he's, he's going to take it out on his own line. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, you mentioned Brockers, Donald, um, Leonard Floyd. Like, mm-hmm. And to me, it's not just the, the trenches, which huge matchup, but I think the, the big key might be Jalen Ramsey. Right. Like, you saw what he did with D- DK Metcalf. You know, Oof. DK Metcalf was run, running around on everybody. Um, until he saw Jalen Ramsey. And I think Russell and him had one chance. Like there was one throw. It was like, that's going to be the throw. Mm. I think the throw was just off. Mm. And DK was relatively quiet. I just think Jalen Ramsey is just that kind of shutdown guy. This is why you pay him yep. for much, much money. Because to shut down opposing weapons. So I give the Rams defense, I mean, they're number two overall. I think they're either three or five. I think they're two against the run, five against the pass or vice versa. Like their defense is legit, which is mm. why I think, and to be fair, like neither of these teams, I don't know what either of these teams really are. I want right. to see like the real Rams or the real Bucks, like going forward because they've had some bad losses where you're like, what is this yeah. team? Yeah, right. Like, who are these guys? Right. So I think this will be a really good primetime matchup where we'll get some answers as to like, are the Rams really legit? The Bucks are they really going to ascend and win that division? We'll see. It's a great point. I, I couldn't agree more that particularly the Rams, you just, for, almost from week to week, you just change or revise your opinion about them. Jalen is, we talk a lot about MVP. It annoys the hell out of me when we're talking about who the MVP candidates are after three weeks of the season, I, but we can kind of get into it now. But, it, you know, you mentioned Donald, and I guess he is getting talked up a little bit, but defensive players never win it. And it's crazy because both, I think there's an argument for both Donald and, and Ramsey, you know, when you're looking at, and because, you know, now Russell Wilson's stumbling a bit, uh, you, uh, why aren't they in the conversation as almost on a level playing field? I understand why, but it's still. Yeah, me- no, we, the, the rules are tilted. Like offense is king. Like we yeah. want to see quarterbacks throwing up huge numbers and receivers yeah. catching passes. Earlier in the season, I think it might have been week two or week three, I covered a Rams game and somebody with the Rams organization had said, yeah, I know everybody's talking about, you know, our offense, whatever, you know, Goff and McVay. And that person was like, our defense is going to be the reason we win. And that was like early in the season. I was like, okay, all right. And sure enough, that person was right. So kudos. Rams organization knows what they're doing. Big time, man. You make a great point as well about the balance in that defense. Because I I guess that questions were – 
asked when when Wade Phillips moved on because I love that dynamic of a really old school vet with a young head, you know, with a young as a coordinator, young head coach, and that mm-hmm. seemed to work really well. And and when Brandon Staley came in, and you look at the balance, it's quite unorthodox, isn't it, Kimberly, for a team to be that good defensively against the run and the pass at the same time? Yeah, and people talk about Brandon in like this is a guy that could be a head coach Mm. not like in like in those conversations like his name is coming up now which like you said moving on from wade phillips you wonder like oh that's that's odd like what's happening there yeah and so far so good Mm. so big time what do you think uh jalen's assignment will be because he had because on dk he was on dk metcalf about 70 percent of snaps right so not all the time but obviously that was you know so what do you think will it be evans will he take is it take down evans so uh, that's what I would assume. But the great thing about Jalen Ramsey is his versatility. Mm. You can play him outside. You can play him in the slot. Mm. So that so going into that Seahawks um, Rams game, you know, I was on camera and I uh, I don't know if it was first take or get up or something. But the key person to me in that matchup was going to be um, Lockett because mm. you knew that Jalen Ramsey was going to get DK most of the time. So Lockett had to win in the slot. He had to win against Troy Hill. I think it's going to be the same thing this week. It's sort of like, okay, whoever Jalen is not on has to win their matchup. But that's why the Rams are so – that's why you pay him this much money because you know he can shift. um, And not a lot of cornerbacks can do it at that sort of level. That's why he's just special. It's a great point. Let's talk Chiefs Raiders next because there's a lot of – discussion about this game obviously because of covid is right it, so yeah yep. Farrell has, has tested positive and a whole bunch of raiders of the defense in particular are in covid protocol right so they could all still play and there's some heavyweights in here right so abram's one of them uh, uh they could all play the six of them could all play on sunday but it depends of course if they test positive for mm-hmm. COVID, they won't so it's hard to look you know at this game without having that in the front of our minds but let's assume that it right. let's assume it's it plays in the Raiders' favor and they're all fit to play, right? Let's look at the game that way. So Farrell out, but but the others starting. Really fascinating game, isn't it? Because Very. it's it's a revenge game for the Chiefs, right? Because the Raiders... Isn't I mean, that funny? Think about that, Kimberly. So the Raiders, for our, for our listeners that don't know, beat the... Uh, beat the Chiefs earlier on the season, took a victory lap around the stadium. At Arrowhead, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I was there. I covered that there. game. You were there. I was okay. there. I witnessed... The first time that Derek Carr has won a game at Arrowhead. I was yeah. there for that historic moment. I hope you got some um, kind of memorabilia made for that. Yeah, <laughs> bought the T-shirt for that. But it, it's really interesting because, you know, the the question now is, well, is this rivalry back? Chiefs mm-hmm. Raiders? Is this now a thing? I think the Raiders clearly have to um, not only not only win, you know, this week, but also I think they have to, be consistent. They have to be consistently good for us to 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 say like, oh yeah, the Raiders are definitely because nine times nine times out of ten, Chiefs win. I think, right? Mm. You know, that's that's how I felt watching uh, the earlier matchup because I was at Arrowhead, and it just seemed like in that game, Derek Carr he made so many clutch plays, and it was tied at like halftime, I believe. And the second half, the Raiders defense just came out, and you felt like, oh whoa, what is this? Like, what got into them? Mm. But when you talk to those guys heading it, you know, the Raiders' defense, they they have a lot of personalities where they think they're legit. Like, they they don't care who they're playing against. It's a young team mm. with a lot of young pieces. I know Derek Carr's been in the league a long time, but, you know, Jonathan Abram, Max Crosby. This is a team, they are building something, particularly on defense. They got a, mm. a lot of young guys. So for the Raiders to even be in the conversation about, oh, do the Raiders have a ch- the Raiders have, like the Raiders have a legit chance? Mm. Um, that's a great thing. That's a great thing for the organization and the NFL. Um, the the COVID situation, even if they get some of these guys back, like Jonathan Abrams, he's one of those close contact guys. Um, it, they've had so many disruptions from a from a COVID standpoint in practice. Uh, Trent Brown on and off um, that it just disrupts the preparation. Right. But so far, and they've it's disrupted their bank account too, because they've been mm. fined over like a million dollars for some of these co- multiple COVID violations. So mm. this will be a good matchup. I I'm curious to see how the chiefs feel. I think the Raiders 
and that whole bus situation driving around. I right. think it's funny to think that you gave the Super Bowl defending champion, the defending Super Bowl champions bulletin board material. Because mm. if you're the defending champs, you probably don't need that. But it feels like the the shine a little bit is off the Chiefs. Not by much. But the luster is yeah. is gone just a little bit. You're not as you're not thinking like, oh, there's no way we can beat them. And I think the Raiders think they have a great shot at home. I'm really torn about how the Raiders approach that win because, I mean, bringing a couple of points together, right? So when Jalen Ramsey was over in London last summer and I, and I interviewed him and he was a fascinating character, right? And we, because of the nature of the kind of interviews we, we can do right over here, we could, and he wasn't, you know, wasn't, I didn't have a ton of interviews. We had a good amount of time with him. And I was talking to him about the 30 for 30 doc, about Deion Sanders, right? And we're talking about the mindset of corners and the bravado and the smack talking mm-hmm. and the and the character. So I I love that side of the game. I love that side of the game. And he was really interesting on it. And and I think it's really important. And I understand why that energy is is can be integral to a team's success. But I look at what the Raiders did here, and I think this is a mistake. This is a mistake to do this against the Chiefs. And and I think if I look at a player like Julio Jones. Right, the diametric opposite, a heavyweight baller who every time hands the ball to the official, walks back, you know, doesn't none of that nonsense at all. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. yeah, I love that equally as much. So I, I see both sides of it, but I look at this and think, mistake. What What do you think? Do you, do you look at this Kimberly and think, you know what? Great, great play, great idea, whether it's Gruden or whoever decided to do it. Yeah, let's bring the fight to them. Or do you think mm, this is the champs? You are dicing with danger here. Yeah, I see both sides because it is it, it is a huge thing to climb Mount Kilimanjaro and knock off the champ, right? Like right. it is a huge thing uh, for the Raiders, especially given the questions about Derek Carr. And each year it's sort of like, is Derek Carr really the guy for the Raiders? And mm. he, he's been bothered by that criticism. So for the team, I think the team was 0-7 uh, against the Chiefs and he mm. was 0-6 against the Chiefs. So this was a huge monkey off their back. So I, I get that feeling of, you know, sometimes you want to say, act like you've been there. Well, guess what? They hadn't been there. Right. So, and especially Gruden, he is that like trash talker. Like he is that it's 100%. He's that like, he would be in the Dion category. Like mm. he's that smart ass. That's going to like say like, uh, you know, um, whereas Andy Reid was asked about that, that whole bus situation he was mm-hmm. like yeah you know we we just carry ourselves differently you know we just wouldn't mm. that's not something we would do and you're just like ooh, yeah. you know? <laughs> like that is a yeah. v- very much like like you're saying julio jones like you know mm. we've been here like we you know we expect to win so winning wouldn't cause us you know to burst into hysteria yeah. um i don't think you give any team in the nfl especially a team like the chiefs that can carve you up multiple ways mm. i don't think you give them any reason to be more hyped about, you know, shutting you up. And I think between Gruden's bravado and Jonathan Abrams, like they're chirpers, like defensive players are by definition haters. Mm. They want, they want to like stop you on every play and shut you up. Well, now the chiefs have that momentum and they're, I bet you they're, they're itching to just shut up the, the Raiders. I don't think they'll drive around. There was. I don't think you'll see that, but um, now it's got the game's got some juice, so that's good for us. If Andy Reid wins, I want him to hire a monster truck and just <laughs> just do circuits <laughs> in the truck, drive over that bus in the monster truck. That'd be great. Yeah, like Patrick Mahomes driving around in a cart on the field, like doing like, yeah. <laughs> Love that. I, I I'm really looking forward to this game. The stuff Andy Reid's gonna he's gonna dive into high school playbooks from the mid eighties to find obscure plays. He's just going to bring, <laughs> bring mm-hmm. the pain. I bet you yep. one more for you. One more for, cause you know, you're super busy and we really appreciate your time. So one for the road, as they say, uh, Titans Ravens, because this is a really fascinating <sighs> game. Two teams that we thought uh, up until very recently really were going to be serious contenders. And now both of them stumbling for, for different reasons. And, I guess as we're in week 11 now, this is a quite a crunch time game for both of them. And I think they'll both make the playoffs, but whether they're going to have a deep run, they've got to they sort stuff out. So let's start with the Titans. What do you think is going wrong for the Titans after their, their really strong start? 
I just think, you know, the Titans kind of came up last year and surprised some people, you know, Tannehill replacing Mariota second half of the season. You're like, oh, okay. And they kind of, you felt like they were sneaking into the playoffs Mm. and almost, you know, almost made it to the Super Bowl. I just think teams now, they catch up to you. Um, I think each season you've got to show more wrinkles than you did before. Um, Derek Henry is a beast. He is, um, I did, I did a piece recently on the, the art of the stiff arm where we just asked guys about Derek Henry and what makes him so good and him sending Josh Norman flying, you know, that's sort of poster yeah. for material. But, um, you know, I just think it's, I actually came into the season picking the Colts to win the division. Cause I just mm. thought the, like, I didn't believe that the Titans would be able to carry it over into the season. Um, I understand they got clowny. I just feel like the Colts are defensively, I believe in that front. I believe in that defense a little bit more. Um, I just think teams are catching up to what you're doing. And if, and Tannehill has to be on point. Like, I think it, what worked last year was like everything, there were games where Tannehill had to carry the team. There were others where it's like, hey, you don't even need to throw that much. And yeah. we'll just let Derek Henry run all over the place. <laughs> right. I think, you know, you can say as a team, as an opposing team, all right, Derek Henry can break off one. But if we kind of contain him, or even if he has a crazy day, Mm. Tannehill still has to beat us in the air or you know their receivers still have to get open you know so I think I I just think teams are are catching up and scheming them a little better I you know as well with with Tannehill he he had an exceptional season but that that's kind of the point right it was he was playing out of his skin right that was the best we've ever seen Tannehill and it's quite hard right right at the top I guess the same problem with the Ravens though right if teams have, have worked out the Ravens Greg Roman has he been worked out yeah, you know, this was supposed to be, this matchup was supposed to be the revenge game for the Ravens, right. you know, because I was at that game. And going into that game, Earl Thomas had talked smack about Derrick Henry, how he's not hard to tackle. Like mm-hmm. he's, you know, he, it's, he's not like that special. And Derrick Henry just completely ran through and over the Ravens defense. But to see the Ravens scuffling, you expect the teams like we're talking about, that they catch up and they scheme you better. Um, they they know what to anticipate a little bit. Um, the Ravens, pow, you know, power run, like we know they're going to do that. But it just seems like, it, you know, Mark Ingram has been, um, you know, injured here and there, missing games. Um, you thought uh, Hollywood Brown would, would, would break out. But he's, you know, when you talk about best receivers in the league, like he's not cracking that number one receiver conversation, which is, I think that's sort of the problem. Like, mm. like L- Lamar doesn't have like that true number one on the outside. Like that that defenses have to say, okay, we need to account for him just because he's there. Yeah. And even bringing in Dez, you're like, oh, it's Dez Bryant. Like, what what's happening here? But mm. you know, he was active and then he was inactive. You know, so I'm not really sure what's happening with the Ravens. It's unfortunate because this team has a lot of talent, but mm. I just think year to year. What worked last year, yes, you can you can apply that same principle, but teams are ready for you. So what is the new wrinkle? What are you going to show them? Now we're not no longer three tight ends. You know, like, you know, Nick Boyle's done for the year. We got rid of Hurts. Like, so who's going to be that 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 guy? What are we, what kind of team are we? What's our identity? Yes, it's mm-hmm. a running team. It's a running team that throws the tight, tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, it, it, it is it is a little scary to think about the drop off that we've seen, but maybe this is the Ravens are confident. They're confident in Lamar. Um, So we'll see if they turn it around. And I guess as well, you want to look at it. If you're horrible, you want to look at it that way around that look the first half of the season, we haven't been in our groove in in fifth gear, but Hey, we're in contention. You want it to be that way around as opposed to the other way around and and flying out of the gates and then regressing. Right. So. Right. Exactly. Really fascinating games and terrific insight, Kimberly. Really appreciate you dropping by uh, and talk to us. Hey, listen, when all this COVID stuff is out of the way, which of course we hope is going to be sooner rather than later, we're going to get the international series back in business. We're hoping that this time next year we'll be having games in London again. We're going to get you over. We've got to we got to talk to I the, know. Talk to the powers that be and get you over. I know. Fish and chips on you though. Deal. hundred percent. Okay, cool. Deal. It's great <laughs> to see you, Kimberly. If our listeners, uh, of course, a lot of them will follow you anywhere and read your stuff and see you on, on all these shows we get over here too. But if they want to follow you on social media, where should they head? On Twitter, I'm by Kimberly A. And on Instagram, it's just my name, Kimberly Martin.
There we go. Uh, go and give Kimberly a bump. Great to see you. Thanks for your time. Take care. Thanks, Matt. Lovely stuff from Kimberly. Really enjoyed catching up with her. What a fine debut that was on the show. Superb writer and broadcaster as well. So go and check out uh, Kimberly's stuff. And I'm sure she'll be coming back on the show soon, even if it's just to get the fish and chips. So even if it's this time next year, uh, we'll be having Kimberly back on. Uh, loved her work. Right, let's move things quickly along because we've got a lot to get into. A lot of games we didn't touch on, but we're going to do now with the excellent Marek Larwood. Marek, it's great to see you, man. And first things first, big thank you, because last time you were on, you were telling us it's all about your brand new initiative, which I'm going to let tee up and let you plug. Uh, and you said, I'm going to send you a set of, of the Pooh Man cards. Uh, and you yes, did. this is, I, I'm sure all American football fans <laughs> will also be fans of card games for children. So it's, <laughs> it's a direct connection. When they're not watching NFL, they are playing a Pooh Man, a card game that I invented for my niece and nephew. And I got it printed over lockdown. And I sent you a copy. But did. did they like it? Loved it. it. They loved it. I think anyone listening to this, because we're coming up to Christmas now, what we're like a month away. This is, it's not just for kids as well. It's the kind of game, it's a perfect stocking filler. Or, you know, I have two sisters, a brother, often not sure what to get them for Christmas. It's the kind of thing we get for them. It's a laugh. You can play it. So I would strongly recommend that's what you do. Where would you head to that do is, it? That is very kind, that, because... I ordered 500 to be printed and they started selling quite well. Mm. And then I foolishly ordered another thousand and they <laughs> have stopped selling. Oh, no. So I am currently yet another loss making venture after. <laughs> well, we will get. We um, turn it around. Yeah. So you head to, head to, we'll push out a site, uh, link to the site as well, where you can buy them, right? But it's the website is. It's pooman.co.uk. And I'm also mm. selling them on eBay as well. I'm nice. trying to avoid the big chains because um, the big one that everyone knows because they basically take all of the money from the retailers. <laughs> anyway, that's a different. We don't want to get into that, do we? Marley will definitely edit that that last bit. Out. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Um, but listen, appreciate that. And uh, in return, I've got a gift for you because I'm very conscious that you know you and I have worked together a lot over the years. And initially, of course, we, we started out together in comedy and then long time collaborating on NFL and the different things we've done talking football over the years. And more recently when he came first, I think when you first came on this show, so a couple of years back and we talked about the book, the book. Mary. I can't believe it. Well, hang on, hang on. I can't so believe it. For the benefit of our listeners who have no idea what I'm talking about. The, we discussed the decision-making process of, coaches apply in terms of whether to go for it on fourth down right that was the that was the so it's, it's a two point no it's not fourth down it's a two-point conversion oh. <laughs> who's the two-point conversion okay i can't believe well, you've got it well there's uh, a book you know they, they, they go to the book the book the two-point two conversion to go right. for two or one well okay uh, in which case i've got a present for you <laughs> <laughs> a present for you that is some i i my memory told me it was a fourth whether you go for it on fourth down or not i thought we talked about both I think there's another book. But now we've we've talked about this quite extensively for two years. This is what I've got for you. I I, I looked into it because every time you come back on, I feel guilty that I claimed I'd find out if there was an actual book. That was the crux of it. And do all coaches have a book? Is it, you know, a a ring binder with diagrams? Is it like quarterbacks have on their arm and they kind of flip it? Does an actual book exist? And we'd be trying to track it down. You have been skeptical about whether I've bothered to do that or not ahead of your next. Well, you've not appearance. done the two point. You've not done the two point one. But <laughs> well, there I is, clearly haven't done the two point. There conversion. is a maths book about the fourth down conversion. Where to go for it is interesting. Even better than that, it's more than a book. So the New York Times have got a fourth down bot. Marathon. Wow! Yeah, and here's the here's the the expositional paragraph of the NYT fourth down bot. I exist for just one purpose. Sorry, can inco- you can you? Please read it in the correct robot voice. Oh, robot, robot American. <laughs> I yes, please. For just one purpose, to encourage smarter thinking about NFL fourth downs. I analyze every single fourth down of every game every week in real time. I come in peace. There's an end. There's a fourth down bot. You better so watch go- out now because he's going to be after your job presenting this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> be less wooden, less wooden than you me. Can- <laughs> ESPN podcast yeah. with fourth down bot. 
you get that supercomputer that picks and Mike Carlson always says that he does better than the supercomputer. Well, fourth down bot well, and supercomputer. But to be honest, I've got strong doubts whether or not Mike uh, Carlson is a human or, or a computer. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Well, hey, I'm, I'm making progress anyways. I will, if I found the, the fourth down bot, then I'm going to uh, next up try and find if there is a two-point conversion bot. Somewhere I imagine, there. yeah, I, I'm hoping the two-point conversion thing mm. is a real dusty old mm. book. That, um, home. Yeah, I've just got a delivery. Maybe, it's the, my maybe door. it's the two-point conversion book. Go and find <laughs> out. <laughs> You're not going to believe this. What? <laughs> it, what? That's unbelievable. It's Mike Carlson, everybody. Mike Carlson arrived <laughs> with the supercomputer. You know, I, basically, what he's done is, if you, and this is probably a bit too saucy for some listeners, mm. but um, you know, like in Memento, where the bloke tattooed his body with all the, uh, or to the old film. himself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Mike yeah. Carlson's body is basically consists of a web of tattoos <laughs> <laughs> on whether to go <laughs> <laughs> on different going? scenarios. Or down or not? Yeah. So you know when they're, <laughs> you know, on the sideline. Yeah. Where they've got the injury tent. Yes, put around. Yep. That is just basically just to cover up where they get Mike Carson sneaks on. <laughs> he goes into the tent, says Matt Patricia or so and so. He says, Right, it's, it's fourth and three, 20 yeah. seconds. Where, where do we need to go for it? And Mike Carson will disrobe and point to a pace <laughs> place on his body <laughs> where it will give the, <laughs> give the advice. Yes or I no. never knew that. I never knew that. I've been I've been covering the game all these years, and I never knew that that's what that's where Mike goes. Now that makes a lot that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, he's in the tent in various states of undress. It's interesting how he could be in there. Lots of games going at the same time, though, Marek. So I'm not sure how he can how he can be at all of them at the same time. Well, of course, it's not just one Mike Carson now. There's oh, about of course, four or five different like that Michael Keaton film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, fourth down bot. Anyway, that was my gift to you. Um, a couple of other stories that caught my eye that I wanted to go into with you because I thought you'd appreciate them. And then we're going to pick. We're going to rapid fire pick the games that we haven't already done with Kimberly. Right. So uh, I'm looking forward to your hot takes on those. But the, did you see the Jalen Ramsey, uh, Jimmy Fallon story? Do you see this? I did not see this. So Jimmy Fallon, the host of the, the Tonight Show, has got a mm-hmm. game called Drop It In, where I don't know if this extends beyond the NFL or he always does NFL players, but basically he's tasks NFL players has been tasking NFL players with uh, dropping in a ridiculous line in the middle of their press conferences. Right. So Jalen Ramsey did it, uh, uh, presumably at the weekend um, where he said, sometimes this is Ramsey. Sometimes you got to throw the sauce at your boss. <laughs> right. That was what, that was what Jimmy Fallon told him to say. And all well, the reporters were just absolutely, Befuddler, what <laughs> what did he say? Travis Kelsey did it as well, and his line was, "Take it easy, roller coaster tycoon." <laughs> just wow! It. And the great thing about it is that nobody references. Nobody seems to reference it. They just—it's amazing what you can say, and it's so left field. And they're just well, Jalen Ramsey saying, "Sometimes you got to throw the sauce at your boss." But, all these beat writers just get silent and then went on to the next question. The problem is it's all a bit of a fun and laugh for the Jimmy Fallon show, but they get put straight into concussion protocol after saying something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's so I'm sorry, Jalen. Um, you're not going to be playing the next three games. <laughs> well, no, but it was just a quote. No, no, no. We, we're going to check you out. We sure it was. Time off. Yeah. Sure, Jimmy Fallon spoke to you. But... <laughs> <laughs> and there's a bot. There's a robot that tells you about the fourth down. And, and Mike Carlson, he's got intent. tattoos. Right. Right, I'm off the rest of the season. He's, off. he's on IR. <laughs> what um? What do you make of Justin Herbert's haircut? Justin Herbert's cut all his hair off. I'm, is, are you worried that's going to, he's going to lose all his power now? I've heard about people liking him to Samson with his long hair. Yeah. Uh, he, was, he seemed a lot more likable with the long hair. I don't know. It's a bit harsh, isn't it? Still, you know, we forget these guys are, are young, they're 22, 23, whatever Herbert is. You know, they're, they're, he's getting absolutely destroyed for, you know, for, for his new look, which it feels a, a little bit harsh. I mean, I don't know what the rationale was, right? Because, you know, it seemed to it suited him. He had that kind of surfer, rock and roll quarterback vibe. I think that in, in a way that I think aesthetics do enhance your perspective of a quarterback. But if you take the kind of classic prototype of, you know, Brett Favre, gunslinging, square jawed. I yeah. think you kind of, you, you take them seriously. They're kind of plausible and credible. I, I'm sure that there's something to do, that's something to do with that. 
I like the haircuts. I like Gardner Minshew. I think ah. people like him because of his long, sort of slightly long hair and his moustache. Trevor yeah. Lawrence is right. going to have Great his. Trouble. I wonder if he has his long hair. He's got his the, the king of the college quarterbacks. His yeah. long red mane. Whether he keeps that or not. I mean, he wouldn't be the same without that. No, it, I think there should be more variety of haircuts. I don't know what's like in the. Is it a problem in the helmet though? Maybe it's something to do with. Yeah, maybe the microphones in the helmet. That's what I thought. Who knows. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. Well, just now, but anyway, he's done it now. So there's no going back. Um, right, let's get down to business, Marek. You ready to do some picks? Yes. Let's start with let's start with your Lions, your Detroit Lions. It's only fair we go there first. So at the Panthers, no McCaffrey, we think. McCaffrey out again, which is good news. It's kind of make or break time for Detroit, isn't it? Because if you, if you win this, then you go to Thanksgiving at 500, right? Which is, I guess you'd have taken that four weeks ago oh, yeah i mean detroit is so up and down they just i just i part of me thinks i'd rather they tank they're not going to make the playoffs if they do they'll just get knocked out in the first round of the wild cards i think there's too many um i really think the vikings are too good to be where they are they're the yeah. form team they're when i've seen them they? play the last um yeah, yeah they've got adam thielen you've got justin jefferson and uh, Dalvin Cook's incredible. They just yeah. look really good. They're, the, they're probably the best team the Lions have played. And they're at, what, four and five or something like that. I think they're going to cruise the second half and then challenge the Packers maybe or get a wild card spot. And there's too many good teams. I mean, yeah. you'd say the Saints losing Breeze might affect them, but they're already seven and two. So yeah. they don't need to do too much more. So I That's just want... the problem because you got... Yeah, because in the South, the Bucks are seven and three, right? And then, of course, the West is... Well, the 49ers are off the pace, but I mean, quite conceivably, all three of the Cards, Rams and Hawks will make the playoffs, right? Yeah. The problem is you've got the uh, the NFC East, which is probably the worst for, for the first time ever, the worst four sides apart from the Jets. So four out of the yeah. worst five uh, sides five in the whole the of, the, yeah. of the NFL. Possibly. That's fair. And that means that <laughs> everyone's picking up two wins or three, you know, well, four wins. Anyone who's playing them is picking up wins. Yeah. So you've got a lot of teams with better records and the Lions aren't going to get there. There's too many good teams. There's, well, there's quite a split in teams. There's quite a lot of awful teams mm. in the NFC. So that means you've got need a better record of at least 10 and 6 to get into the playoffs. And there's no way the Lions will do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're in that kind of next group at the top because the Bears are in free fall, right? I think that's... I mean, the play Bears some... were never that good uh, anyway. Yeah. I mean, I just think they had an incredible fluky start to the yeah. season. And the Packers, I think, are over overrated. Mm. But the Vikings, I think, are the, are the best team in the NFC North. Yeah, well, they've won three on the bounce. So if you are going to be in the running, I think you, this is kind of must-win territory then, which sounds faintly ridiculous week 11, but... If you, as we said, if you win, you go to five and five. If you lose four and six, which by the sound of it will be too big a mountain to climb for even though there's an extra playoff spot. So what's your, what's your take? Are you going to get the win? I think the Panthers have, have outperformed a lot of expectations this year. And it depends if, I mean, uh, Bridgewater had some problems. I don't know if he's playing or not, but if yeah. he, if he uh, plays. It, let me look at the latest because we're recording this Thursday afternoon. He's day-to-day, they're reporting, right? So, I mean, yeah, there is a, I guess there's a chance because he's got an MCL sprain. Yeah. So I reckon they'll go because because where are we now in terms of what are they, what are their backups, right? So they've got, if he doesn't play, is it, so Chase Daniel, I know, what am I talking about? He's a, PJ he's Walker a and Will Greer. Yeah. So I think that they're, if he's sixty percent, they'll start with they'll start Teddy. I think. And so I think if if Teddy Bridgewater plays the whole game, then the Panthers just edge what is going to be quite a close one. Okay, even without McCaffrey. Even without McCaffrey, yeah. I think the Lions. I think you're going to get the win. I mean, I really like what is happening with Carolina. The coaching just seems to already. Be, it's like Flores halfway through last season. There is just. It's not just about the players playing for the coach and you can see that in a relatively weak side when they are balling which I think has happened in New York actually I think with Joe Judge as well I think they're clearly playing for the coach it's mm-hmm. it's that but it's more than that with the innovation we're seeing offensively as well with Joe Brady and, and Rule I, I know it's easy to drink that Kool-Aid and it's very voguish and it's a 31 year old coordinator and Rule's bringing all this it, this in but they just seem to be a together bunch uh, and I think they're, they're 
going in the right direction. But I think you guys are in contention for a playoff spot. I, I think you were easily forgetting how many people liked the Lions as a sleeper pick for the playoffs going into the season. And as you always say, your favorite Matt Stafford, you've got Stafford I, I, massively underrated. And I think he, I think you've got a fighting chance. I think you get the win. So Lions I've taken uh, over the Panthers. What about Patriots, Texans next then? So these were teams, Marriott, the divisional winners respectively last season. And now they're neither of them are making the playoffs. Well, I think that, Thanks to Brady, the Patriots are always outperforming themselves with squads for, for with poor squads for years. Whereas the DeAndre Hopkins tra- trade have just almost seemed to have single-handedly killed the Texans. Yeah. Um, but I fancy that I fancy the Texans here. I don't know why. I just think they're underperforming, and I think uh, that, that they're at home, and I think they'll take the Patriots. I think someone made an interesting point. It might have even been Bill Simmons and Cousin Sal talking about this, that when the Patriots find a running back that Damian Harris, in this instance, that goes off a couple of weeks in a row, Belichick's just going <laughs> to bench him because he doesn't want to win football games like that. But this season's different. I think I think they are, they still believe they're in the running. I, I guess the, the Bills uh, are the de facto favorites for the East. I know the Dolphins... We'll look at uh, that kind of sneaky inside rail run there. But I think the Patriots will look at it and think they definitely have a chance and, and they and will definitely think they've got a chance at the wild card. I, that Texans D just can't stop much at all. I think the Patriots will get the win on the road here. I do. I well, think they're going to grind a win. It's odd seeing the Patriots playing their sort of uh, running game, just yeah. grinding their way through the games, just on the back of Rex Burkhead or whoever, they, whoever it is that week. It's just really yeah. strange seeing them play ugly, non uh, better check type football but yeah who knows their run d houston is last 32nd out of 32 in r- yards allowed per play run play 5.2 uh and just to put that in context the next closest is dallas who are terrible at 4.8 so i i think they run them all day you've got cam as well i think they get the road win here i, I like the patriots no, I am predicting a team who's worse against the run against a team that only runs <laughs> to win. Yes, essentially that's what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, and it will, will probably, knowing this season, that will probably uh, still turn out to be. Uh, all right, another uh, great team, the Eagles, in that aforementioned division that no one wants to win, uh, who I think have fallen off the pace now after going down to, to the Giants. And ever many people felt that they were the favorites for the division a week ago, and now they're a mess, right? Against the Browns, who once again are a flattering to deceive. What if, where are you on Cleveland, Marek? What do you make of, because we've all heard so much talent, but it's because of bad coaching. That was last season's book. And this season, some weeks they're astonishingly good offensively. Other weeks they're terrible. Baker Mayfield being the, you know, the steward of that, Ship just seems to be very much of that type that he flitters from, okay, he's actually a serious quarterback after all, to he's terrible, he's going to lose his starting job. Why are the Browns so difficult to, to pin down and work out what they're about? Or is that what they're about, just wildly erratic? I think they are erratic, but I think they're stuck in the hardest division. Mm. I looked at their uh, schedule this year and, uh, and who they've – you know, they've beaten the bad teams, but then the teams you are going to play to compete with for those playoff teams, like the game against the Raiders, mm. that for me was a key game for them when there was, then they lost and they're outplayed. So they've got basically, they've got to play the Eagles, Jaguars, Giants and Jets. So that's four mm. wins. Yeah. But then they've got to play the Titans, Ravens and Steelers. And you, you think they're definitely going to lose those three. Well, and I don't I, think they're I enough to... So, but I suppose the Titans, the Ravens, trending in the wrong direction right now steel is short but uh, but i take your point that you know you feel confident they're going to take down the weak teams but you just don't feel confident they're ever going to take too many big scalps right you look at the the results this season i guess that's borne out you know they, they slam the cowboys terrible team they beat washington terrible team they edged the bengals they got transferred by the ravens you know they uh I suppose the strongest team trans by the Steelers, the strongest team they've beaten has been the Colts, I guess, you know, who are, who are credible. And that's maybe their best performance of the season. Uh, but they have, the, they have the weapons, sure. Certainly the ground game is, 
with Chubb back as well, it, it has to be amongst the strongest backfields in, in the NFL, right? That, yeah, I love that. Uh, Chubb and Hunt is incredible. Mm. Yeah. I just totally not sold on Baker Mayfield. Mm. I'm like, yeah, I, I just, it seems that you're watching a different course, but you don't know what quarterback you're going to get each week. Yeah. Sometimes he's brilliant. It's always when you think, oh, he's done. He'll have a great game. You think, oh, I'll put that on hold for a while. But whether it's that he's the wrong stature for it, because if you look at the other small quarterbacks, like Kyler Murray being the other example, mm. he's so elusive and he's got that speed and dynamism. It sort of seems that he's a sort of better Baker Mayfield. Yeah. And more accurate, uh, even, even sort of a bigger arm, possibly. And Mayfield, I just don't know whether he's good enough, really. Mm. Good enough to beat the Eagles, though. Team. Good enough to beat the Eagles, and they get the win, right? And the Eagles have been playing so sloppy. Mm. It's almost like they're on a Super Bowl hangover still from about three years ago. It's really odd. They've got some you yeah, know, talented D, but uh, Carson Vince is just regressing at an astonishing pace. You did. You get. You went quite German with Carson Vince there. I don't know how I to like. say his name. Vince, I like it. Vince. He kind of gabbled. The Carson Vince. <laughs> it's Austria, Austrian, <laughs> somewhere yeah, the, out the, there. The Gabbard. <laughs> Blaine Gabbert. Oh, but let's blame Gabbert. Right. One of the matchups of the weekend. Speaking of Kyler Murray, Card Seahawks. And really interesting at the moment what is happening to Seattle because, because of a particular of Russell Wilson's play. And Carlson, I talked about a lot on, on Monday, the pressure that is being put on his shoulders because this defense is so bad. It's understandable why things are unraveling. And I think Carlson suggested on Monday that we were getting distracted from the deficiencies in this team because he was playing so well. And, uh, and of course, Lockett and, and Metcalf were now with Carson out, that's really affected their ground game and the dynamic of, of that offense for sure. But most teams have to deal with injuries. Like Chubb has been out for, for the Browns for, for a chunk of time. So uh, it's difficult. They feel like they're a bit of a crossroads Seattle and a defeat here. And I think, we're suddenly starting to look at, well, that confidence we have that three teams from the West are going to make the playoffs. Maybe not so much now. So this is a crucial game for Seattle. Which way do you think it goes? I think for me, the Cardinals seem like the team on the rise. They've got yeah. so many weapons. You've got Kenyon Drake, you know, and you've got Kyler Murray. So you've got two, the most dangerous running quarterback and a running back who seems to just be finding his form. Yeah. And then uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who is the, the, the draft steal of the century and old safe hands, Larry Fitzgerald. It's just a very dynamic offense. They apart look from excited. last week when he, when he dropped it, yeah, <laughs> but it didn't that. matter anyway. <laughs> but um, it, it just a really dynamic, exciting uh, offense. It just, he reminds me of a sort of a, a speedier, Russell Wilson, I still would take Russell Wilson over um, Kyler Murray in my whole quarterback ratings. But I just mm. think that it feels to me that the uh, Cardinals have really got the um, bit between their teeth and they seem like the, the them and the Vikings seem like the sort of exciting teams on the up at the moment. So I think this will be the best game of the week. I'm very much looking forward to it because these these games that make you judge. You, it's an idea. This could be the NFC Championship game potentially. Yeah, it if could, those it, sides carry on playing well for the rest of the season. They're 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 in the top four or five sides in the division. Who do you think is the favourite for the West at the moment, or is it too hard to call? Well, I I would have thought it was the Seahawks until the Rams game. You know, I was yeah. quite surprised, and the pressure seems to be off the Rams a bit this year. Yeah, uh, they but seem. But they're erratic too. I mean, I think defensively, that that is going, that their performance collectively defensively is going under. It's being really underestimated. And you look at, I mean, not just what the front seven are doing and Donald in particular, but you look at Jalen Ramsey is is playing out of his skin and you know completely shut down Metcalf last week. Incidentally, Tyler Lockett is carrying a knee injury. They're reporting, so it'd be interesting to see because that's one of the things that has benefited Seattle. Lockett's popped if Metcalf hasn't and vice versa, right? So it's that yeah. power when you've got two receivers of that caliber that if, if one is getting closed out of the game, you can typically go to the other. But that didn't happen against LA last week. And I think that partly to do with that injury as well. I mean, I, I'm with you. And the momentum, obviously, the cards are going to have after that win, the energy they're going to have about them after that win is, is uh, not to be underestimated. But I wonder whether, look, it, it, I think that Seattle 
pass rush is getting better. I, th- I like Carlos Dunlap, that signing. He's making something happen. And with Jamal, they're pushing and maybe overusing him to do that, but they are generating they're generating a lot of pressure or enough pressure. They're getting sacks. They, they, if you look back to where they were at the start of the season, that has moved on a lot. So whilst the secondary is a mess, I think they are going to be capable of putting Kyler Murray in difficult situations. And maybe we're underestimating or overestimating just how bad the Seahawks defense is. It's not a good defense, but I think it might be getting in places in part a bit stronger. So I'm, yeah, really hard game to call. I don't know where I sit here. I'll probably lean Seahawks, but really, really tough one. Okay. Are you picking cards for the win? Yeah, I'm going to go the opposite to you. On okay. Almost every single pick. I think. <laughs> okay. Steve is Jack. You mentioned Gardner. He's still out for the Jags. What have you made of Jake Luton, Mark? I, uh, well, the first week, isn't it odd when you have backup quarterbacks? They all seem to do well that first. Yeah. It kind of makes week. sense in a way because the teams just don't have tape on them, right? And yeah. Don't know what to expect. Even if it's quite a late call up as well. But I know what you mean. They are all, they usually do. So you're, they're surprisingly composed or they're unbelievably bad. Like, yeah, yeah. Like like the all, all, for all of the Detroit Lions ones are really, <laughs> yeah. really bad. Or they yeah. come out and everyone's sort of thinking, well, he's going to be a new franchise quarterback, I think. <laughs> what, are the, um, what are the, what are the, what are the um, Jags do? Assuming they, they get one of the, the top picks in the draft. So Lawrence or Fields, right. Who, who, who will go high. What do they do? Because I think for the for the New York teams, it is a harder call. I, I still think that all of them will take Trevor Lawrence if they can, right? But it it's a harder call. You've got to think a bit more about it because the money and time they've invested in Donald and in Danny Dimes, the Jags will presumably take one of them. So Gardner Minshew bounces out. Does he get a starting gig somewhere else, do you think? I don't know if he does or not. And I really love him as well. I yeah. really love his energy. And what he's, I almost want the Jags not to get in those top three. And, and they even might draft like Trey Lance or another replacement. Mm. But I'd just love it if it worked out for Gardner Minshew. He's just a cool, really likable. Yeah. It makes you, he makes you like the Jags. For me, a franchise who doesn't, doesn't really have that history to them that a lot of NFL teams have. He gives it that je ne sais quoi. <laughs> I just, I love that. I, I loved, I loved him. So it'll be a shame if he's not their starting quarterback. But I think they go. You know, the Jets, the Jets will trade Darnold and pick up Lawrence. Mm. They're yeah, tanking. Do, yeah, and then someone like San Francisco or the Bears will, but will trade for Sam Darnold. I think Steelers for the win, presumably, or, or maybe this is a trap game. Maybe, the, maybe this is, you know, one of those games that every pundit in the world has. The Steelers, I mean, they're double-digit favourites, I think. And maybe the Jags upset them. What do you think? The Jags were quite good last week. I thought they yeah. were, I watched a lot of that match. I was impressed. They're not, they're not a bad, is it, are they one and seven or one and eight? I can't even keep track. They're not a bad one-win team. They're not as bad as some one-win teams. But not good enough. Better, better, they're better than the whole NFC East. Yeah, if they're in the NFC East, they would be the number one seed. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they are going to get that upset, though. I'm going Steelers. But I think the Jags will land a few blows. I think they, were, they won't go down without a fight. Uh, what about Falcons Saints? This is interesting. The Falcons have been in a lot of close games this season, Marek. A lot of very narrow defeats in terms of the games they've lost. They're 3-1 and one now under Raheem Morris, who looks... Surely, like he's going to get the start, the, the gig, the head coaching gig full time. And of course, no Drew Brees for the Saints, right? Jameis Winston is going to start because of because of Brees' injury. And that intrigues me because it's obviously going to open up more of a fragility in the New Orleans offense because he turns the ball over, but also opens up the deep ball as well, mm. that which they can't they can't go to under Brees. And I know they'll be quite conservative. I guess they will be with Winston and, and do more of the same, you know, sure. Dinking and dunking fast cut short gains, yards after catch that kind of approach. But I think they're going to air it out a bit. And I, 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 I think it's going to be a shootout and I'm not sure that the Falcons aren't going to run the saints closer. I think it'd be a very, very close game. I love the Falcons. Uh, uh, I love Ridley. Yeah. I love Julio Jones, you know, and Matt Ryan. I'm a big fan of Matt Ryan. He's just understated, does a job. Great quarterback. Yeah. But I think, you know, 
for the Saints, you've not really heard enough about Michael Thomas. I know he's been injured, but mm. it's all been the Alvin Kamara show. Yeah. So have they really needed Drew Brees to be brilliant this season? Not especially. So will it be? A, I'm fascinated to see how um, Winston runs the ship. And yeah. you, this could just come down to him throwing a stupid interception. I can imagine him doing that on the last drive. It's 38 all or something like that. And he just does a stupid pass. And they, it's whether it's what, how much you control James Winston. <laughs> that yes. is the key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Game. And I wonder if that's a great point. I wonder whether this is about situation. And actually, in this offense, under Sean Payton, what they're asking him to do, which is very different. Bruce Arians was asking him to, to air it out all the time. That was the offense, right? So I wonder if it, we will see a different Winston. Don't forget, he threw 30 touchdowns last season. You know, I know he threw 30 picks as well, but he's not, you know, he maybe, maybe the best backup in the NFL and, and is playing for the gig. This is Breeze's last year. He knows that if he puts in Teddy style, a couple of good performances, maybe he'll get, he'll get the starting gig. Right. We've got right through the others, Marek, because time sure. is against us. Bengals, Washington. Who are you going for? Well, I think the Washington defensive line is great. And I mm. think they're just going to overwhelm Joe Burrow, Joe mm. Burrow. Um, they're just so. I mean, they've got about eight thousand first round draft picks on that line, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the Bengals' and line is awful, yeah. So, I just yeah. think he's going to be, um, and in big trouble in this game. Mm. And Alex Smith will just get steadily, uh, steadier as he as he as he has another game under his belt back from. Well, I watched his game against Detroit last week, and he was great. He, mm. he's, he I think he passed like nearly 400 yards, he was just efficient he just efficient yeah short passing yeah and i think that'll just grind down the bengals death by a thousand cuts as uh, oc would call it uh jets charges uh i mean charges have to be one of the most unlucky teams in nfl i love justin herbert i think watching him is sublime i love all his deep balls he makes incredible passes um it's got to be the charges I've just realized if you think about our theory earlier on, if the Jets win this game, we have to put it down to the haircut. I mean, it has to be. There's be no other. There's no other reason I can think of. I would like to have a look at, at haircuts to uh, <laughs> the effect of haircuts okay, on well, NFL games. Seeing as you've been very, quite dogmatic, really, in, in expecting me to deep dive into this coaching decision book. And oh, I, I think I next time you come on, you, I want a bit of analysis on on haircuts and the impact that haircuts have in the NFL. That could be I, your dissertation. I can't think of any bald um, quarterbacks. Well, Matt Hasselbank. John Kittner, John Kittner had. Oh, John Kittner. Kittner. Well, who's the next line, of course. Yeah, Matt Hasselbank. And Matt Hasselbank, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Hasselbank, wasn't it? I always yeah. remember. He liked it when I called him Hasselbank, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Finn's Broncos, Trevor Locke, another quarterback with an injury. Uh, Drew Locke, Trevor Locke. I called him Trevor Locke. On, he's, he's a Trevor Locke, a philosopher. I think I called him that on Monday show. Trevor Locke's well. a comedian. Coach, that's where I'm getting it from. <laughs> Trevor Locke also has a, because has a rib injury. Uh, Drew Locke has a rib injury, too. Uh, so I'm interested to see what the situation in terms of his status is. Uh, welcoming Tua and the Finns, who are on a roll and, and expected to get the win. But that sometimes, as our producer Marley has outlined, high expectations versus low expectations, and that's often where a trap game happens. I've got the Dolphins down to win this one. I think <laughs> I, I've been very underwhelmed by the Broncos this year. So I, a, a comfortable win. Mm. With uh, Tua really showing why he was a prized um, uh, pick by the Dolphins. We're going to be getting into that game on our Edge Rush show, Marik, our new show, Edge Rush, which what we does are it dropping. Mean? Edge Rush. Edge Rush. Well, if you, get, you look for the edge in, in, in gambling, for an edge, you need to find an edge. So, Edge Rush. Because like hedge, hedge funds. Is it like hedge funds? <laughs> a little bit like a little bit like hedge funds. Well, because you got edge and rush. Rush is a big part. Hey, I didn't come up with it. Well, I did come up with the name, but anyway, <laughs> that's our new show. Me and Ollie edge, Thornton. Edge, edge rush. rush, not hedge rush. Edge rush. Edge. I'm looking edge forward rush. to watching hedge rush. Listening to it. It's a podcast. We are releasing video as well. Edge oh, rush I is dropping. I don't listen. I just watch them. You just download. Just subscribe. Uh, we don't care if you listen. It's TMR would say. Uh, Cowboys Vikings. Uh, Andy Dalton should be back for the Cowboys. Maybe at two and seven, they run the table. No. <laughs> I mean, you could still win this division 
with five and eleven, I reckon. No, <laughs> that would be incredible. It, would be, it might be, be six and ten. It might be six and ten. Team should not be allowed in the playoffs with a six and ten record. Ridiculous. Uh, yeah, Vikings all the way for me as well. Uh, although the over looks quite interesting in that one. And Packers Colts. Uh, Aaron Rodgers should have Lazar back. I think going yeah. up against one of the better defenses in the in the NFL. I think this is the best defense in the NFL. Really? Wow. Yeah. I've seen them play. When they played the Lions and they played a few other teams, I just think getting De- DeForest Buckner was a great move. Um, that Leonard, their linebacker, is incredible. I just, yeah. all, all over the defense looks really strong. It's at the Colts. I think uh, that Aaron Rodgers is going to struggle against this defense. I think mm. that they are, for me, the, the best D. And the acquisitions they've made, like Xavier Rhodes getting him in, they made some. The general manager of the Colts, Chris Ballard, has made some brilliant moves mm. to assemble this team, which you people thought after Andrew Luck left, yeah, that was it. And now I think they're quietly becoming one of the major contenders mm. in the in the AFC. Big call. I uh, it's a good argument, and I'm I'm really on the fence with this as well. I was I think I was leaning Packers, but Marit Lord, you have convinced me that 62nd impassioned Colts diatribe there has led I'm leaning indie now after that I like it I like your argument I like your style as well Marek it's always good to see you man uh so our listeners can catch you on social media at Marek Larwood yes at Marek Larwood on the social media <laughs> you nailed nailed that absolutely nailed that <laughs> uh, you, what about because you're always into a, a YouTube thing or two so you got anything new rolling out on that front yeah I've got two YouTube channels mm. you've got my Marit Larwood where I do do some paintings love I that. know the art lovers will like that and other weird videos and then I do a lot of walking on my cool dudes walking club channel again very much crossing over with the key things that NFL fans <laughs> painting walking and cards about poo Love it. Great stuff. Good to see you, mate. Look after yourself and come back and see us soon. Cool. Take care. Brilliant stuff from Marek. Edge Rush dropping Saturday. So make sure uh, you subscribe to us if you haven't already. And that will fall into your feed straight away. And we're back on Monday looking back at all the key stories, all the key action from the weekend. Most importantly of all, gang, enjoy the football. We'll see you Monday. Podcast Network.